Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 50. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. We've got a, a great guest, a great personality from the Northeast, is Laura Perman. And I met Laura, we very uniquely, um, Laura did a fantastic presentation on branding by using Adolf Hitler. And <laughs> um, it was truly brilliant if we remove the fact that he was a complete get. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but in reality, it was really interesting listening to it. And once I heard it, I had to get her on the show. So um, we're going to find what Laura does and talk about her area of expertise in a second. Um, but Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. What an introduction. Hello to all of the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it really was that. It was that. It was that presentation because we hadn't met up until that presentation. That's right. Um, yeah. So what a way to be introduced. Let's talk yeah. about branding Hitler style. But, I am a shock, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life, Jeff. <laughs> so, Laura, can you give us a, a bit of a background about your, your journey into starting your own business? Sure. So um, I had what I would say is a quarter life crisis. So I went backpacking when I was about 21-ish, um, traveled around the world a little bit, worked in Australia for a little while, came back um worked in the financial sector, believe it or not, and then went away traveling for a second time. And I think I was just coming up to about 24, 25-ish, and I thought, oh, God, you know, I need need to get serious with my life. I'm getting really old. So I had, like, this full-on quarter-life crisis, and I thought, I still don't know what I want to be. I still don't know who I am. Um, And went away, traveled, and um, I had just got together with a new guy who was now my fiancé, and we met up in Australia because he was already bumming around in Japan. Um, So I went off on my own and did like a little Shirley Valentine trip, um, and we met up together, and it turns out that Tom is a landscape photographer. Now, I had always enjoyed taking photographs on my previous travel um, excursion around the world. I was just using like a little Kodak compact um, film camera. Um, So enjoyed it. Always loved playing around with cameras when I was a kid, but never really was that serious about it. But when me and Tom were traveling around together, you know, we were living in a van, going through the outback and then driving around New Zealand um, and then America, Tom would be like, okay, Laura, we're up at four tomorrow because I need to get the sunrise and it needs to come from this angle and the wind's going to be blowing in this way. And I'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, is this a joke? So eventually, you know, two, three weeks and then into months it passed by. I'm like, this guy is nuts. Why is he so addicted to this? What is it? So, you know, if you live with someone in a van, Jeff, and they get up, you're going to wake up at the same time. You're in those kind of close quarters. Um, So we'd wake up and he'd be like, oh, can you pass me this lens? Can you, you know, maybe you can get the tripod ready or quick, the sun's up, you know, I'm running behind schedule. So over the time, I was kind of catching on and, you know, doing the job of like a photographer's assistant. Um, And after a while, I thought, this is pretty cool. I kind of like this. This is nice. I like it. So by the time we got to um, Windy Wellington in New Zealand, I was starting to think, 
maybe this is what I want to do. Or maybe, you know, am I just being like a copycat girlfriend here? What's going on? So we had a bit of a like a serious chat, as you do with two backpackers traveling around the world. (laughs) (laughs) You know, a state of the union. Um, And Tom was like, right, if you're really serious about this, hand over that digital compact camera because that ain't teaching you anything. Mm. And I had this beautiful, I've still got it, Panasonic Lumix camera with a Leica lens. So pretty much anything you do with it, you're getting a good shot. So he was like, hand that over. That's a security blanket. And we went into this really cool ramshackle secondhand camera shop. And I bought a, um, a really old busted up Canon. And um, basically, Tom would just kind of give me some little assignments. And by the end of the trip, I had done a UCAS application to get onto a course um, back here in Newcastle. Um, I didn't have like GCSE art, nothing, no qualifications in the creative art at all. But I did have a body of work. So I had a portfolio and Tom was saying like, you know, you want to kind of do a sketchbook of your ideas, deconstruct what you did and why you did it. And hopefully that'll help you out if you get an interview. Um, so I was like doing this personal statement like you do um, for university in the middle of an internet cafe and God knows where, like right up until like five minutes before the thing was due because, you know, we were off the grid, man. We didn't know when the deadlines were. <laughs> so um got it in on time. And then by the time we came back, I had found out I got an interview. So I got the portfolio of work together and went into Newcastle College and spoke with one of the most inspiring lecturers of my life. And she kind of just said to me, she was like, you do realize that if um, you're coming on this course, you ain't going to have any money. And I was like, what? She said, you're going to, this is your life now. You're going to be completely hooked on camera equipment, on lights. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm addicted to photography. I love it. And she gave me an unconditional offer. She said, you know, based on this work and how you've presented it, I'm blown away. She was like, I've never seen anybody come to an interview this prepared. Mm. You've got a place. So I went and I did a two-year degree course. Um, I was like the old woman of the class, which I absolutely loved because I was leading all the kids astray um, and had a total blast. But I worked my tush off at the same time. So I tried to get um, a photography assistant placement with every single type of photographer there was. So if there was a sports guy who needed someone to run around after him with equipment, that was me. If there was a fashion job going down in London, I was on a train, you know, nothing, no pride, nothing, do it. So by the time I'd finished that course, I had a job offer, which is a really rare thing to have when you're studying something like photography. So did that for a couple of years, worked in the business, learned how the business side of it works. And then um, after working full time in a studio that was run like a joke, it was a complete cowboy operation. I told the boss to go and shove it just before Christmas and I walked out. He still owes me money. Um, And yeah, I left. And then I had had a really miserable Christmas because we had no money. And um, I just thought, you know what, I can do much better than he was doing. So I set up and I did it. Took me about three or four months to get a business plan together. Another couple of months, I got some startup money. And that was five years ago, Jeff. And here I am today. (laughs) So that was what got me started. Um, And then I know, I know it it was kind of a, a rebellion thing, I think, for me. 
but best rebellion thing ever. So if I ever meet any younger um, kids who don't know where they're going, the first thing I always say is, it's fine, don't worry. Like you get put under so much pressure, I think now, so young to pick what it is you're going to do and who you are. But it took me a lot longer Mm. um, to figure it out. Mm. And I think I always knew... I always feel like I can do it better myself. That's always my approach. Mm. So I think having my own business is very suited to me. Um, in terms of having um, my own business, though, I've, I've had a lot of knocks along the way. So when I first set up, I was a um, portraiture and wedding studio-based business. Um, and now I have a completely different business model and that's all from like the school of hard knocks in business. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because majority of photographers that I've worked with in the past as, as cl- with them um, as clients, they've, they've, um, they, a lot of them seem to go down that path as wedding photographer. Yeah. Kind of that's thing. the training you get, Jeff. In, right, when okay. you're in college, you get told, you know, you are an absolute freak of nature in a good way if you can make it as a fashion photographer. Mm. Um, so don't kid yourself. Do the safe thing. Babies weddings. Because yeah. people are always babies and weddings photographed. And actually, when you look back in the history of photography, and cut me off if I start going on too much about this, because it's one of my favorite subjects, the history of photography. So what some of the absolute great photographers of our time, they actually had like a portraiture studio as their side hustle to pay their bills. And then they were shooting like avant-garde, weird, crazy things that we now refer to as the great works of art of our time. So it's not uncommon for the best photographers to have two or three different photography businesses going on. But obviously today Mm. in our world, it's you've got to niche down. And that's been one of my biggest lessons. Mm. And I've learned it the hard way because I didn't want to do it. I wanted to be the girl who took pictures for everyone. No problem. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. I don't know whether you know this, but and I don't know whether I've told you, but I once looked at buying a franchise for um, doing baby photos. No way! Yeah, I did not I know did. that about yeah, you. I did. It was before I started this, um, before I kind of like accepted that this was what I wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. It was just after I'd got better and I was going, I need to be out on my own channel, you know, carving my own path. Um, yeah. And it was a baby um, photography uh, franchise that I looked at doing. And... Um, once I sat down and number crunched and, and looked at all the things, it was like, mm, no, I don't yeah. think so. It's a tough model, isn't <laughs> I'm it? I'm not going to do that. Is it, especially in this particular region, I think yeah. if you're in a really, really um, affluent area, yeah. you are laughing because people are, you know, money is no object. But if yeah. you're in a, um, a region that isn't as well off, you're yeah. going to always have to be playing the price game with yeah. the rest of the market share. Yeah, and yeah. that is tough. Yeah. So when you when you when you went to change your um I guess your 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 brand to to mm-hmm. some extent what were the what were the sort of challenges you went through on that? Um for me um it, a lot of it is the creative challenge so it's like the arty like who am I and mm. is this the right thing and is you know like I've got a hot pink um like lips um, it's like I deliberated over that shade for mm. weeks, you know, for, mm. whereas I think for other people, the decision is just making the change. Like the change is fine. I knew I needed to do that. Yeah. Um, but for me, 
the tough part of it was the creative side so it was the faff and all like I'm sure I've written a blog actually where I talk about how I wanted to do the super band approach to my rebrand so I purposefully got three um two or three different small businesses so I got the um a copywriter two different graphic designers and um then I had my business coach so I did it in kind of like a communal sort of approach to a rebrand instead of going to like a top agency where they just do everything for you because I wanted I like I wanted to jam man and that's the whole point of it I wanted us to kind of riff off of each other Mm. and I knew these guys from you know networking and the business scene and I knew that we would be a great blend together and because I wanted to do a little bit more of a commercial kind of a model, I thought this could actually work out well in terms of networking as well. So mm. that was actually a lot of fun. I don't know. I hope they would say the same thing, but I know I was a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an interesting thing is, is because there, there is that benefit of, of develop, creating a team rather than just going to one location and getting one given to you. Yeah, because, absolutely. Because they then come to the environment with it's kind of like me coming up to 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 your place and going, look at, at this is what I want, and you're going, well, okay, but you know, it's it's yeah. it's having that inspiration and that creativity to bounce ideas off, isn't it? Yeah, and respecting that they are yeah. experts in their field, but it's like, right, well, what can you bring to the table? Mm. Great. That, you know, like you're on drums, keep the rhythm going. Yeah. You're on bass, okay, let's get some bass rock. And you two work together because I know that you work together. Mm. Um, and this is the kind of thing I'm thinking, but jam with it, flow with it, yeah. you know, make it happen. And that was where we came about and people can see you a lot clearer than what you see yourself that's another thing with branding Mm. um I think people you know and I wanted them to be able to say no Laura you you're not like that you know Mm. you swear all the time it's like yeah actually I can swear a bit more now because I'm not doing the family approach and you know being a baby photographer who swears you're going to get a very specific niche of parent (laughs) who is okay with that yes yeah. You're really, you're yeah. really you're like refining your audience. I had to really watch my mouth a lot of the yeah, time when I was yeah, doing yeah. that one. That work. <laughs> now yeah. I'm like, look, you, you know, yeah. you're kidding yourself. You've got to sort your shit out and yeah, yeah. come on, let's do a rebrand. And I know some good people. Yeah. And when we're talking about headshots, that's mm. the way that we go with it. And that is so much more me. But people can kind of come to me when we were talking about things like brand values. Mm. Like, Laura, you know, you have this fun element, but you swear a little bit. You're quite irreverent. Mm. Let's get all of this in and make this a big part of your rebrand. So it's that whole, it's not just changing up your logo. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah, and you were talking. Obviously, was one of the areas you specialize in is the headshot stuff, and yes. I guess the, the. Do you find? Certainly, if I look at it from myself, as it was building up courage to the point of actually getting some photos done to mm. put on my website, because yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, l- let's do the invisible obscurity. Let's have the positive, you know, photos of a man jumping off a cliff, um, <laughs> you know, those sort of things, yeah. rather than have me on. But once I kind of like got comfortable and accepted that, you know, my business is my brand and, and, and I am my brand and all of that sort of stuff, it was getting to that confidence bit. And is there any sort of advice you can give on, on that sort of side of it? Um, that has been really tough for me as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, I am now my brand um, and that is hard. You know, me, I, I do a lot of a lot more photography of myself, which, you know, 
it's hard to set up the camera and you know all that yeah. kind of stuff. I have to get my Cindy Sherman on, but um, that that is hard. But it is hard to build up that confidence and just constantly keep saying, "Yeah, I am the face of my business, and this is how it goes down." But right now, um, that is the trend. You know, you mm. think of all of the people that we are really inspired by. Yeah. Um, they are completely owning that, and it's really if if you want to be serious and blunt about it that you haven't got a choice if you've Mm. got a small business and you want to be taken seriously and you want people to trust you Mm. you've got to put your face on your brand it's a huge part of it if you go through linkedin for example Mm. and you see someone hasn't bothered to put a picture up and it's Mm. just one of those it's either a faceless logo or the worst of the worst it's just the gray hole like they haven't uploaded anything you're skipping past that because they haven't taken the time they're not what are they hiding you know it starts you start you ask yourself in in a second about 50 questions and they're all around mistrust yes yeah i would agree because i know as a as a process that i do any social media twitter any of them Mm -hmm. if they do not have a um a original photo of who they are i mean the truth of the matter is you know I've tried to get away with putting Chris Hemsworth on mine. It just didn't work. <laughs> um, but, you know, if they don't have, if the egg shows up on Twitter or anything like that, I just immediately, I just, I actually have a, pro- a program that will remove anyone that doesn't have a profile shot. Yeah, um, it's like, can't it's be off, doesn't yeah. it? It's like going to a networking event in your jammies. It's exactly the same. Or just not going. So one of the things that you often see is, as well as, is people who maintain the the imagery of youth on their profile pictures <laughs> yes so so i've got i've got um a very good friend of mine who um over in the states who still has a photograph of i, th- I think he's about 50 now um and he's bald but on on the photograph he's got lovely locks of hair oh um, no <laughs> and and you know and and also as is for me it's from the point is is if i was to go Okay, I'm meet, I've arranged to meet this person, and I've never spoken to you before, yeah. and I've got a photograph of you on Facebook or on on LinkedIn or something like that. I would never recognise you in a walking up to have that meeting. And Absolutely. I suppose how what is the rule of thumb of keeping your photos fresh? So my um, rule of thumb, and I've done a, um, a vlog recently on this over on my YouTube channel, mm. is. The standard is you want to update that thing every two years just to stay in, you know, current trends of you and your business. Mm. So um, you think you you might do you might have done a little change to your hair or you're just going to be looking a little bit different. And if you have a small business or um, you're in heading up a business, your business will have changed dramatically, even if you haven't done a rebrand. Um, it will have evolved a little bit in those mm. two years. So I would I would say that you need to reflect all of that in the refresh of yeah. your um your headshot. But okay. the caveat to this, Jeff, is if you're um looking to make yourself look like an influencer or a mm. particular um like standout figurehead or mm. someone who is looked at more than others. So somebody mm. like um I don't know, um like a model or 
you've got these people now who want to be known as just influencers. So that might be somebody with a real um, popular blog, mm. uh, that kind of thing. You might want to look at um, dialing up the regularity of your headshot. Okay. So now, because I'm a headshots photographer and mm. I am my brand, I try to update mine every six months. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just because this is my trade and this is what I do, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. um you you've got to practice what you preach. Yeah, you do. I mean I'm I'm the same as, as when you know, when one of the things I always make sure is is I, I have a, a coach for myself. Yes. So where you're doing where you do that, for me it's I invest in my own development through coaching because why would anyone want to buy from me if I don't trust in the process it's I totally get. I, I actually think less of business coaches if I find out that they don't have their own coach. It's like, well, yeah. who do you sound off to if you've got a whole load of people sounding off to you? It's yeah. like um, going to see a psychiatrist and they don't have somebody to help them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it is. It's one of those things that... You know, you need. It's so important about practicing what you're preaching, and yes. and I and I've noticed with, you know, especially the big names, and, and there's a few of the, yeah, I don't, I don't mean this in insulting word, but let's say the lesser names that they yeah. they walk around with literally almost like a, either a videographer or a camera yeah. crew going with them this all is the, the way time. It's going now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 fortunate because my um, eldest is doing cinematography and videography. Um, I've you created told, your own yeah, I have. I've got my yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So um. Yes. His his education and future has been inspired by D Rock for my benefit. Um. But <laughs> but yeah. So it's, it, it's yeah. So it's like looking at it going. Oh, this is just so much. The, the the concept of that is just it mind boggles me because it's you know we were talking before about the creative team mm-hmm. is so many of those people who are moving down you know that route is the one of their first set of team members is a is a, a photographer and a videographer yeah and this is the way it's well, you have moments. to now yeah. be um well you you have to be a broadcasting house and this was one of mm. my big takeaways from um social media marketing world i was over in california recently and mm. um this is kind of the trend now that's coming out like they have they're introducing a new ticket for next year purely for people who are creators because this mm. is the new big asset in social media everyone wants to be their own mini bbc yeah and if if you want to be taken seriously and you want to be generating enough content well you're gonna Mm. need help and you why not enlist somebody who's professional you know me creating Mm. videos i find that that's a real struggle for me to do so i would probably think um really hard about getting Mm. my own videographer as well and yeah. I'm in that, I'm in that world. Yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know. I mean, I've been doing this for ten, ten years now, and I know that the majority of my, um, you know, I have my skill set in the co- in the yeah. coaching and the development and that sort of thing. But I know that my biggest skill set development over the certainly over the last five years has been learning about video. You know the 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 radio station, which is like this one, the video the the video channel or the TV channel, which is like the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. All of that has been a, an awful lot of attention, probably more than I'd care to admit or would like. Has gone <laughs> yeah. to. Um, I need to make sure that I understand this because that bit's going to push you a hell of a lot further back than than that 
than not knowing that stuff. Yeah, you've got to be a, um, a person. If you're if you're a personal brand, and you real you recognise that you're a personal brand, that's like the first step. And mm. then um, it's broadcasting that you're a personal brand. So you want to do that through primary content, which is all of those things that you're talking about there, Jeff. So yeah. podcasts, you know, you're creating your own um, media, and mm. that is, you know, the other people who are on the lower rung of that ladder, they're the ones who cu- curate that the whole time. Mm. So they are circulating it and consuming it and sharing it. And mm. um, if you're the one who's creating it, guess who stands out more? And yes, it's yeah. really hard work. Like you've just yeah. said, it is bloody hard work to learn it how is, to yeah. create a podcast or develop a successful YouTube channel. But yeah. it will pay off in um, huge yeah. dividends. Yeah, it's the, it's it's the, it's the persistence. Yes, you know, it's just it's not giving up because there will eventually be a tipping point. Um, and I, you know, for transparency purposes, I haven't reached that with my podcast show. It takes but a while, doesn't it? It they does, say, yeah. um, Absolutely. I was listening to um, Natalie Ekdahl. I don't know if you tune yes. into her business. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she was just done a really interesting cast on how long it's taken her to, um, you know, increase in the success of her cast. Mm. And um, the figures are so interesting. It's like after the first year she got to this, but after year two, mm. it increased like by 400%. So yeah. it's like you, you go and you go, like you say, this dogged, determination and this constant process and then all of a sudden it'll spike but it's only going to spike if you have that dogged determination it's consistent and you're putting it out methodically and that's where you specialize in helping people to stick with it this episode is sponsored by presentation genius you might remember simon from presentation genius from way back in episode five it's one of the highest downloaded episodes of the show probably because of the sheer amount of content Simon gave away. Well, now he's giving away more at his only public training course in the UK this year. It's on September the 15th, and there's all the information you need at presentationgenius.info forward stroke Durham. What's more, Success IQ listeners can get 13% off whatever ticket you buy by using the coupon SUCCESS13IQ presentations are such a key part of your business success i've seen simon work i can absolutely recommend his stuff and what i would say is learn from the best and become a presentation genius yourself okay so welcome to the second part of the show this is where i get a great opportunity to put laura on the hot seat and ask her some questions i ask every guest who appears on the show so are you ready laura I am. Okay. Ouch, that hurts. It's a hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Laura, the first question is, how much time a week do you spend on self-development or development in yourself? It might not be from the mindset side, it might be skill side or it might be fitness side, but how much time a week do you spend? Okay, so you're going to have to help me with some sums here because I do a mixture of things. So okay. I do... Uh, about 15 minutes meditation every morning before I do anything. Okay. Well, I have coffee and then I do meditation. And I've just started doing that this year okay. and it really works and yep. um, really helps me. So we've got 15 minutes a day. Yep. Um, and then um, I try and get to the gym like twice a week okay. for 
about two hours. Okay. Um, and then I have my own business coach as well. And I've actually just turned up the dial with her and we're doing even more time. So I've gone from um, like an intensive group coaching situation mm. to working with her one on one. So I think what we've, we were just talking about this um, yesterday, actually, mm. and I'm going to be seeing her for a whole half day. I think right. that happens like once a month. Brilliant. Okay. So that's, uh, so you spend, you probably spend. Over to you, Carol Vorderman. How yeah, much yeah. is that? This is, this, is, this is why I left school at 16. Um, <laughs> yeah, so let's say a day a week. Um, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, so actually, as a, as a side, side to that, you've moved from a group coaching environment to a one-to-one coaching environment. Yes. Yes. How? What have you found the benefits of doing that with? Because I got, I got both. You know, I've got the Success IQ group and the Success IQ Elite, and it always intrigues me is for people who work with other coaches and as they trans transfer over. What have you found the benefits to move from that group coaching environment to the one to one? Well, I've really, really taken my time and taken like baby steps with this because when I first started, I was on like a real basic, like light group coaching thing. And I thought, yeah, I don't really need this. I'm my own like CEO of my life, like blah, blah, blah. Um, it wasn't healthy, let's be honest. And um, when I started getting into it, I thought, no, you know, I'm going to stick with this. Um you know, let's just give this some time. So I think I gave it about a year of doing the light touch group coaching. Um, And that was very much where um, we kind of go around the group, give each other ideas, but everything that we say we're going to do, we are then held accountable to it. So especially somebody like me who's a creative and it's like, oh, I think I might do this. I think I might do that. Oh, what about this? And yeah, total squirrels. Squirrel overload. And then when you come back the next month and somebody shows you this list that's like Santa Claus's children's names list and you're like, oh, I said I was going to do all that. Crumbs. But now I have all these new ideas. I, I kind of got into the rhythm of, oh, yeah, if I want to make stuff happen, I have to complete the job. Right. This is how it works. So I did that for about a year and then I stepped it up. So that was where we were doing a little um, bit of like private coaching and then still with the group dynamic as well. And I've done that for about two years. So, you know, you get talking about a three year journey now. Um, but I found that I want more um, of my own structured time to just really get serious and focused even more on what I'm doing. And I can already predict that I'm going to miss the group dynamic because, you know, I love to talk. That's quite obvious now. <laughs> I have to wrap it on. So I think probably for me after I think I'm going to give it about four to six months of just doing the one to one, you know, get my head down, get really focused on my shit and um, I think maybe the next foray will be into something like a mastermind but I have to be honest it's one of those things that fills me with a little bit of trepidation because you you see a lot of really really elite like you say elite successful masterminds and this is why they are they have that price point because they are really well run but my god how many times have you seen the crap ones the ones that are just pants you know you can meet people for dinner and drinks any old time it ain't a mastermind or i at one point do you remember when those instagram bots for they came out at like the top of the beginning of the year and people would send you one it would be like do you want a mastermind um that ain't mastermind sunshine that's not what it is so yeah i think that might be that's where online I'm dating 
yeah. <laughs> but no, but it, it's actually funny enough. I've got um, tomorrow. I'm doing a, a episode with my mastermind group. Um, oh, that's my, interesting. My main one because um, in August. Funny enough, we've just been talking about August before the show. Yes, we have, um, yeah. In August, maybe not August after our conversation <laughs> and show, but in August, I'll be um, we'll be launching uh, for September uh, um, my mastermind program um, That's because cool. it is one of the biggest issues is is that your masterminds kind of like mindfulness and it's kind of like emotional intelligence. It can become a buzzword in in this world yes. without people really understanding what a mastermind is. Yeah. And and the benefits and you know you can get there are great there's in fact to to be honest the mastermind groups um I've been part of um it's been a split fifty fifty whether they've been paid or they're just ones that I've created but yeah. I'm quite lucky because I've got a really cool network um so the people who are in my network is is there they they are thought leaders they are business leaders they are you know way in many cases way 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 ahead of where i am but they are prepared to give that space up you see this is the best mastermind to be in as well you want to be the little fish don't you it it is and it's such a valuable part but i know that a lot of people speak to me about masterminding from a point of you know how to do it what's the best bit so i I wanted to interview mine because we are a bit of a crazy bunch um, who you know. I mean, you know Dave and Simon. They've been on the show, and obviously you um, you know them as well. They're great people, but um, and they don't half put put the screws on, uh, hold me accountable. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, mastermind's a great thing because, as you say, sometimes it's great to have that split between one-on-one attention so we can be a little bit selfish. It's all about mm-hmm. me. That's what, you know, that's what one-to-one coaching is about and what it should be about. But then we sometimes miss that group dynamic as well. Yeah, and that's sometimes, like I was saying, with the um, the whole jamming mm. concept, you know, that band thing, that's sometimes for me where you get the best ideas. And I love helping other people as yeah. well because sometimes that helps me in return in like yeah. a totally random way. I'll have helped someone with a problem, yeah. um, but then it'll give me a new idea and I would never have come up with that idea. No, and um, I, I can attest to that because when we met for that for, for that coffee at um, at the hotel, um, it, oh, was, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was crazy how many ideas came out of your head. Oh, I, it's like it's like idea um, yeah. overload yeah. sometimes I'm gonna, I'm gonna From now on, when we talk, I'm going to record our conversations. Oh really? Yeah, okay. There are the some... chronicles yeah. of Laura's yeah, yeah, ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the brain spurts of, of Laura. It's just yeah. they just come out. Okay. Second question. <laughs> what is your favorite personal development book and why? Oh, I was thinking about this this morning, Jeff, when I was making my morning omelet. And <laughs> I um I, I could I couldn't decide between two. So can I have two? Of or do you, you can. Really have to No, no, I have two, it's my Okay, show. so one of them is called Worth Every Penny. And that is by Sarah Petty. And she's a photographer, but she's also a marketer. So I, I have a lot of affinity with her. Um, she um, wrote a book all about how to, it's it's kind of a branding book, I suppose, but it's all about defining um, your price point and making it literally worth every single penny. But before she was a photographer, she had a background in, um, I think she worked at Coca-Cola, so she knows all about, you know, killer brands, but it's it's not just for photographers. So it's one of those things where if you're thinking of shifting your price point or you're completely thinking of shifting your pricing tariff, it's 
making that and adding as much value as you can, but it's coming up with unique and clever ways to add value that really wows people, you know, touches them. Um, so that's one. And the other one is um, Denise Duffield Thomas's Lucky Bitch. I don't know if you would have heard of her. Um, she's huge with my demographics, so like the 30-something female business owner. Like she's like Mick Jagger to us. <laughs> Um, she's just been in London. She's Australian and she talks about money mindset. Um, and she talks, there's a little bit of woo woo in there. Um, so there's a little bit of like manifesting yeah. and, um, you know, meditating and yeah, stuff, yeah. but there's so much practical stuff. And I love okay. um, like her Aussie delivery. So, you know, yeah. just get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I need to do, Denise. That is definitely what yeah. I need to do. So we can I take it more seriously when it's a foreign voice, can't we? Yeah. we can yeah, yeah. Um, so I followed her for a while and then I got her book and her book is brilliant okay. I think I, it's constantly not on my bookshelf because I keep loaning it to different people because cool, I read about it all okay. the time I think that's a, that's a testament of a good book it is, isn't it absolutely. yeah totally totally okay brilliant so I'll put them on the show notes as well um, the third question is what's your favourite app oh well right now for my meditation I'm using Calm and I'm enjoying that, um, so I would recommend that. It's not not necessarily heavily business related, but I think if you're having a tough time just getting out of your head, which I have problems with sometimes, because the ideas, um, I enjoy doing um, my my comms like I was saying before, about 15 minutes every morning. And then in that app, you have um, breath cycle. So I know Dave, the stress guru, we just mentioned. There. he does so much coaching around breathing but there's actually a little thing in there that you can put on and it just coaches you through just breathing it does it's got a great it's got a great um breathe in and you can see it filling your lungs and then out, doesn't it yeah yeah just it's just brilliant. Yeah, got control it. yeah. yourself so if you're freaking out you can just get that on your phone and just sit and watch it or listen to it if you've got your headphones wherever you are and then there's the guided meditations too yeah no brilliant well i think that's the thing is is a lot of this a lot of the stuff is when when i'm talking to um my listeners is it is it's not always about the business apps no you know and and at the end of the day if you can get yourself into a calmer place if you can get yourself more resilient and more mindful of what's going on whether it's meditation visualization whatever it is it gets you to a place of being better anyway so Absolutely, yeah and this is what you know we we alluded to the whole squirrels thing which is um, quite popular at the minute you know it was shiny red ball about six months ago and now everyone's talking about squirrels i can quite easily get off of a skype call or something with somebody and i'll start on an idea and it could be like um i don't know 10 30 and i'll carry on chasing that damn squirrel and then i'll look at the clock and it'll be 4 30 and the day has literally escaped me i've chased that damn squirrel into the enchanted forest and i don't know where the hell i am and uh, you know my um tom will come back from work he'll be like have you have you even drunk any water today i'm like what what time is it why are you here and that is where my mind can go so having something like this I find now because I've been doing it for about six months I can bring myself back a lot quicker yeah and it's kind of that brain training isn't it, is, it? yeah I mean that because that's the thing is is it's kind of like I always see is is the the sort of the mindfulness meditation stuff is is almost like the vision for yourself. So where a vision is about direction and knowing where you want to go for your business and your life, having something like that that teach you to identify when you're way off track 
or at least when you've been distracted to the point where it becomes less beneficial to you. It can, you can use that to train yourself to bring back. And there's a strategy I was once taught because people often talk about your mind racing off when you first get into meditation practices. Um, and there was a strategy I got told that is, is, is if you're, if one of the strategies I used is I used to visualize I was in front of a canal and there was boats going by. And what would happen is, is if the more I um, brain raced, the faster the boats would go. Sorry, oh, the, that's interesting. The slower the boat would go to some extent because I gave myself permission to stand on a boat, go a little bit down the river and then step off again. And that's when I knew I was controlling the flow of where my head was going. So, so that was a way that I, that, that was the way that I found it easier to control the pace. And then it was find the right music with the right cadence. And that helps with your pace as well. Um, I use Holosync and um, Lifeflow to do to do mine. Um, they're not cheap. I think Holosync now is about three hundred and fifty quid for the the kit. Um, but um, I got I got some st- I got into it a few years ago where it was a lot cheaper, and um, it's it's absolutely brilliant. It really is. And using those sort of apps. It always amazes me that, you know, people think that people who do meditation and stuff, although it's getting obviously more of a um, more of a norm and an accepted part of, of performance enhancement and everything else, is, yeah. it amazes me the different types of people that are willing to try it and, and find benefit from it. Yeah, it's it's and I you know what there's a there's a certain thing where I think people see it as traditionally a religious thing and it's not at all. It's just controlling your mind and becoming aware. You know, I think there's that um, connection with, you know, Buddhism and, um, you know, becoming Zen and all that stuff. It, it This is not what we're talking about here. And, and I think um, I, I've had that conversation with a lot of people. They're like, oh, so you're a Buddhist then? I'm like, well, no, yeah. not necessarily. No. Where the hell are you saying that? No. Um, but it, this is, I think this is where it'll be interesting to see that how it goes. That would be a class photo, though. <laughs> yeah. Such a, I'm expecting that one next. Well, actually, yeah. I did... I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did a blog post saying, uh, yeah, um, what was it called? Um, mindfulness is not just for hippies. Um, mm. Because that was the connotation that so many people would come up to and go, I don't do stuff like that. And it's, you know, you let, you're falling short if you don't try these things. And if you don't like it once you've tried it, fine. But don't yeah. dismiss it just because you're worried what people think. So that. Well, who's going to say you, man? You're, you're in oh, a I room know. I know. at home. I know. I know. In your jammies, usually, yeah. or, yeah. you know, wherever the hell you or want to saffron. be. But yeah, you, you your totally saffron robe. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> okay. So, question number four is what's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you? Oh, my big, I can say this straight away. I, I was worried you were going to ask me a question and I'd have to deliberate on it and we'd waste the listener's time. But no, my biggest um, mistake was quite early on in my business. Um, I was appointed a mentor as part of uh, um, a well-known national organization, which was to do with my startup. And they kind of assign you um, somebody to guide you through the journey. And this guy had a a background in the IT world. And he he told me in a meeting, he he wasn't a really nice guy either. We didn't get on. But I had that gut feeling where I thought, you don't get me. And you don't get what I want to do. But he told me in one of the early meetings when I was still writing my business plan, um, if you want to be taken serious, you're going to have to have a studio and you're going to have to put it in the middle of Newcastle. 
And I, I was thinking, well, why? What what are you saying that for? So I, I carried on. And because I was in the middle of writing my business plan, I wrote that into my business plan because that's what he had told me. And that cost me so much money because I ended up doing it. I ended up getting the funding. Um, part of it was a loan. And I ended up setting up a studio in any one. Um, and it was just a hiding to nothing. This, I mean, and you know, looking back with hindsight, which is a beautiful thing, he didn't know that that wasn't his specialization. He didn't know that. And he was from the old school as well where, yeah, that was probably true, but 25 years ago. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That's a, it's a thing about the importance of working with people who have got the finger on the pulse and not, you know. Well, I think the, the takeaway there, though, is going with your gut. Yeah. So if I've ever made a massive business mistake, and I've made a few of them, Jeff, mm. um. Oh. My gut has been trying to tell me, like, oh, this doesn't feel right. I'll get, like, a feeling, yeah. just, like, a physical feeling or just a hunch. There's a hunch. Yeah. This doesn't feel right. And I'll, if I've ever gone against it, it's been the wrong decision. Yeah. So if I if I have a feeling and I get a hunch that it's the right thing, I totally follow it now. And now I, I've got a bit more of a sense, no, that ain't right. Don't even follow it. Don't even begin to entertain the thought of following that because it's not right. Yeah, no, brilliant. Okay, number five is what are your challenges in balancing life and work and how do you manage them <laughs> this is such a great question <laughs> let's just laugh at that no, I, um, it's wednesday today right holiday <laughs> week isn't it so i was on my second cup of coffee today and i this was before meditation and i realized oh it's but it's a uh, half term this week well there you go. That's why no one's replying to me. That is that is what it's been like for me having a small business. Like, oh, it's Christmas next week. Oh, I, it was my birthday last week. Time just flies by. So it's one of these things I am very much yet to master. Um, I'm doing a lot of the self-development with what we clocked up about a day a week, was it? So working hard on it nowhere near okay. mastering the yeah. damn thing yeah and that and i think that's the thing is is, is the first part of the awareness you know yeah. is we there's so many people out there whether it's uh, small business owners or corporate owners or whatever that they just they just haven't they haven't got into that routine of creating a moment in time to stop pause and think because they're just going with the momentum. Like you do your, even if it is after several coffee, caffeine kicks, you do your meditation. Um, that gives you a chance to at least go, okay, I need to, to kind of like ground myself and steady myself for the day ahead. Yeah, where we're going, what's happening. Yeah. And um, I'm very, a lot more aware now of when I'm approaching proper burnout. So, you know, like everyone says, oh, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. And that's quite a trendy thing to do. And um, burnout is very much a different a different kettle of fish. So I know now, yeah, it's coming. I can feel this is coming now. Time to take some time off. So I don't have I don't have kids, you know, where we're quite a free and easy couple. There's no major structure. So um, we, we've kind of made the life plan that it's all about the business until we get to a certain point. And then this is after that you know it's fun time but it's it's tough and I, I have to master it absolutely yeah. yeah brilliant okay so number six is what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out um definitely the go with the gut and I would also say um avoid the 
I, I don't know. I, w- I would do a lot of the um, like reverse psychology. I do that a lot on people when they say, oh, you know, I'm just going to set up my own little business and la, 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 it's going to be sweet and beautiful and wonderful. Um, I, I always go on the back foot and I'm like, so you've got three jobs then to finance that. And they're like, what? So how many hours a week are you working? And if they're, I, I challenge, I challenge all the time to make them like belligerent and angry at me to want to prove me wrong because I think that's the kind of determination you've got to have. Yep. No. I'm, yeah. I'm not the best coach, Jeff. No. I mean, that is a real alternative approach, but I'm I'm quite a bitch about it. <laughs> but no, I mean sometimes sometimes. That's my advice. Yeah, I mean sometimes you 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 work with clients who have got you know the you've got they've got the passion they've got the they've got the want, but sometimes they haven't really thought it through. And yeah. you know, a good coach sometimes you know the part of the challenging support is to be devil's advocate to poke the holes in the things to find out if people have really thought about what it is that they're looking to achieve. Because, you know, if you're, if you've got three jobs, so let's say for example, you like the one you said is let's say they're having to do three jobs to plan it um, and to fund it, but they've got a family as well is because they're so focused on creating the, the, the business, they may not have really, despite how much they care about them, they may not have thought about the family element of it. Yeah. And all of these things have to be, pointed out because you know there was one client I remember speaking to years ago and they had never thought about breaks during the year it was all about working you know over 350 days a year to to graft and it's like but that's not feasibly sustainable you know, yeah, you're you going to have to take some time yeah, off, even yeah. if it's a couple of days here and there. You're yeah, going to have to space it out over the and over they the just, year. They just couldn't see it because they were they. You know, part of the problem is of what we do. We love what we do. So it's trying to identify that just because we love what we do does not mean that we don't have to sometimes step away from it. And, you know, it's learning those skills and learning those things to get into place. So, no, I love that one. That's a really cool one. Thank you. Okay, question number seven is, what is your definition of success? Mm, um, Doing it my way. Okay. <laughs> so- Frank Sinatra. Okay. Frankie, I, yeah. yeah, I did it my way in in my style, um, and I think I'm going to add to my brand values as well, being um, audacious. So having audacity. So a lot of a lot of the funnest things and actually the most successful things in my life, people have said to me, Laura, you kind of do that, man. Like, e no, don't do that. And I've done it, and it's really paid off. Um, so like stomping through life my way that's success to me (laughs) living living it to your rules yeah cool okay which is a great segue to um my next question which is based on my life rules um you get an opportunity to pick a number between one and 50 and whatever number it lands on it lands on a rule that i have learned over the last 10 years of having a business and also while i was ill um, so pick a number between 1 and 50, Laura. 26. 26 is... Huh. Okay, so this is a one with um, start with trust. Um, and the, the, the idea of this is, is I see, I find it um, throughout my getting better and, and starting my business. And some people have said this is naive, but it's something that I found really useful. Is I always start a a relationship or a conversation with trust you know it's yeah. i don't 
there's an awful lot of people that err on the very side of caution and they they don't open up straight away i mean you've met me um i i don't you know as far as i'm concerned my the way i treat people is as if i've known them forever unless they prove me to otherwise um but is what i'm what i'd be interested in you is what would you have you found the benefit of that of starting with trust or do you kind of like err on that side of caution where you can like step back at first no, I'm very much um, similar to you, all in, and quite irreverent around um, respect as well, which I think um, a lot of, I don't know if that's a millennial thing or what, I'm like the oldest millennial, like I'm just in on that bracket. But um, yeah, I, I remember my very first job um, in a bakery in a supermarket and one of the line managers, was who was probably only about 10 years older than me, harping on at me about respect and I, I remember in my 16 year old self thinking nah you're talking shite man I don't agree with you and there's that thing where I, I don't care who you are like you could be the queen you could be um a billionaire or you could be you know exactly the same as me in terms of what you earn what you own I'm going to treat you exactly the same but that doesn't mean to say I'm going to treat you badly, Jeff. I'm, I'm going to be the same. I'm going to trust you and see as I find as well. Um, but I'm not. I'm not one of these people to do the whole airs and graces and kissing the ring and all that crap. It yeah. that ain't me. That would be um, so funny to see. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't do the crawling thing. Never did. I think that's probably why I didn't. It didn't work so well for me in school. You know that whole thing where you've got to be like part you've got to of the say posse. sir to the headmaster. <laughs> oh no, not the teachers weren't too bad with me. Yeah. I had a few run-ins with a few teachers over the years. That might be another podcast. But I'm talking about with like friendship groups. Yeah. You know, there'd be like the the queen bee, and then yes. there'd be like the the king of the yeah, boys. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I, I I couldn't I can't stand that crap. It just yeah. doesn't work for me. So I'll see, I'll speak as I find, but I, I'll, you know, I'll go in with a with a level of trust. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a fool though. Yeah. No, no, not at all. And this is, I think, this is the thing is, is the other thing is, is you know, if you go into relationships without that trust, or at least with without with the the open oh, and possibility yeah, of having openness. that trust, yes, mm-hmm. you um, you really do close the opportunities that where that conversation can go because it's not um it depends because you know we all go to those network events and people don't really talk about what they do because it's a secret because they're worried about what that other person does oh yeah god ideas stealing all the time worried about ideas stealing. it's like who who do you think you are like freaking magellan or christopher wren like get a grip sunshine you're a bloody wealth manager <laughs> you haven't invented the wheel like come on what do you think you're holding on to there? You're not, you don't need to get a patent for that. And, and ideas, well, ideas are worth nothing. And this is the other thing with me. You know, you said when we met, um, ideas, ideas. And a lot of people have said to me over the years, Laura, you know, you shouldn't say as much as what you do when you're giving people ideas. It's like, well, what am I going to do with it? If I come up with a great idea for someone who's got a painting and decorating business, what, am I going to go and stop my life and pause everything and set up a painting and decorating business based on this idea? I'd rather give it to the guy and he can take it and use it, give it to someone else. I've put it out into the world. No, that's brilliant. No, brilliant. Excellent. Okay, so the floor is yours for an opportunity for you to share how people can get hold of you on social media and also if you've got any products or anything that you'd like to share with the oh, guests as thank well. thank you. 
Okay, so I am quite a social butterfly. Um, I love social media. Um, my hanger on everything is L Perman Photos. Um, so you can find me on all channels using that. Um, quite easy and straightforward. Um, I'm different on the different platforms as well. I'm not one of these people who puts out the same crap across everything. So there's like a different style of a party going on on different things, um, depending on what you're into. And in terms of things that we could maybe do, because I know you have quite an international audience, Jeff, I think maybe one of the things we could share with everyone is my free, um, it's free right now, but I think we might be putting a price on this because I'm getting quite booked up with them, is my headshots analysis. So right now for your listeners, um, if they want me to give them a no holds barred, honest opinion of what their headshot is doing for them right now, I can do that for anybody anywhere in the world. Okay. Um, and we can put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, that would be brilliant. Okay. Well, I will, I will do that. Because how, I mean, the, the whole concept around that is how are you going to plan where you want to be if you don't really honestly know where you are right now? Yeah. Yeah, and I loved, and and I, I mean, we know a few people. I mean, um, I think Dave Algio is um, is one of your photos, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yes, and we I, did a I session love that. together yeah. last year. Yeah, I love that, and that was a really fun session where we had um, yeah. all of the cabbages in yeah. town. Yes, I do, I do, <laughs> I do. That's a whole other level of conversation. That one, it is. Lesson. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> well, Laura, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, and I just want to wish you the greatest success. Oh, thank you very much for having me. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening. And it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast, and that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you'd have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success, and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.